0: Yeah, it's what you need to know. It's being brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times. Less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. It's SLK on 710 ESPN. Clinton Yates is in for Sedano and LZ. And it's time for Laura who's got what you need to know. Hey, Laura.
1: What up, Scott? So yo, yo. I, before I get into my actual what you need to know, I do mm-hmm. got to let people know that I don't have a hickey on my neck. I will take another picture because <laughs> I'm getting like tweets and stuff, and on do they're like, who gave you the hickey? I still do not have a hickey, so... I really well, got bit by a spider. Can you just explain
0: to everybody? Yeah, because people who are just joining us right now, what happened if it's not a hickey?
1: I went hiking. I got bit by something. It got itchy. It got red. I freaked out, posted it on Twitter, and then now people think I got a hickey from...
2: Bitten by a non-human. Important, Right.
1: <laughs> but it, yeah. Anyways, back to my what you need to know. So August is around the corner, and... August 24th is known as Kobe Bryant Day, especially in these streets. OK, OC in L.A., we celebrated that last year. And now there is a OC congresswoman, Michelle Steele, who wants to make 824 known as Kobe Bryant Day across the country. I feel like it already is, yeah, you know, unofficially, but she wants to make it official. She just said that Kobe Bryant inspired millions of people, especially kids in obviously LA and and um, he was actually a part of her district so she's like you know what I'm just pushing for this to be known as Kobe Bryant day nationally and I'm like okay that's cool I just feel like we already do that anyways but if it goes through I would not be mad at it
0: <laughs> yeah um, I wonder um, how you do that like I mean you have to go to the federal government to make that happen or I mean you can do it locally and in, in the state I suppose but either way uh, it's a good idea. I mean, I think everybody listening would agree. It'd be a great idea because you're right. I mean, Kobe, look, we can all talk about what a great basketball player he was, but I think people came to love Kobe Bryant later on because of the person he, he really turned into. And I think the other part of that is is that for anybody that really followed it from the absolute very beginning of Lower Merion High School, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, um, out to the Lakers, you know, the early struggles as a player, the early struggles as a person, the championship comeback. I mean, just everything about it, the the, the father he became, the husband he became, what he was doing with his life after basketball. Um, yeah, very inspirational to a lot of us.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, father and husband to the person that is most ostensibly Uh, shepherding his legacy is Vanessa. Vanessa doesn't want to do it, it's not going to happen in my book under good terms, so if she wants it, it happens. That's how I feel about basically everything that has to do with Kobe Bryant going forward.
0: All right, there you go. That's what you need to know. It's brought to you by Morago Casino Resort and Spa. Good times. Less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. Good story, Laura. Thank you for that one. All right. Way to go. Um, Clinton Yates, tomorrow, you, me, Bergman, and the team from here at 710 ESPN, we will make our way to UC Irvine where we will be there for Rams training camp, get our first chance to see and feel and probably not but theoretically touch what's going on at Rams training camp, and I'm pretty excited to see what this team looks and feels like, because I've been going to these Rams training camps every year since they moved to L.A., and um, I'm I'm very, very curious to see what happens when a veteran quarterback, who everybody on the team and everybody in the organization and all the fans and all the analysts, everybody thinks the Rams are significantly better than they were, and they were in the playoffs last year, they won a playoff game last year yeah. with an injured quarterback, but... I just want to see for myself, and again, it's only early in training camp, but what is it like to have a veteran player like Stafford become the leader of your team?
2: They call this a vibes check on the internet, and I think that that's a large part of what Stafford brings to the table. I'm not saying I don't think that Stafford is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. I do. But, like, this team, as you stated, Cap, is already pretty good. And so – I think a large part of what he brings to the table is sort of a a belief, a little bit more of a confidence in terms of who you are, how you run your offense, how you prepare for games in terms of your ability to think to win. And week to week in the NFL, that's a huge deal. You know, the last time I saw the Rams, they were getting torched by Lamar Jackson um, and it wasn't pretty. And that's a different discussion. But what I'm saying is that Lamar brought something to the table that obviously Stafford doesn't bring from a skill set standpoint, but like, again, believing you can win with your quarterback is a large part of the battle in the NFL. And I think that if nothing else, with this roster and obviously some of the changes have been unfortunate in terms of acres, but they've had some additions and you know, they've had some keeps that are more important in the NFL, obviously on the defensive side. And like if you think you can win with your quarterback, you got a chance, man. You know? And that's that to me is a big deal and I'm very interested to see how that vibe projects to other people at camp.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of other changes that I'm curious about as well. Um, You know, listen, Raheem Morris, who we've had on the show, who's a fun guy to talk to and who's been a very accomplished NFL, I wouldn't say head coach, but he's been a really good assistant coach and has had head coaching experience. He was the head coach in Tampa, even though the Buccaneers, this is way pre Tom Brady. This is like messy, really bad Tampa Bay teams. Um, And he was a very young head coach at the time. Uh, And then he was the defensive coordinator and the uh, interim head coach last year for the Atlanta Falcons. And he comes out here to replace Brandon Staley, who moved on to become the Chargers coach, which, you know, that's the one thing about this McVay coaching staff. It seems like every year there is a young coach who's not necessarily head coach ready, but maybe just a little pre head coach ready. But some team is ready to take a chance on a guy like a Matt LaFleur or a Zach Taylor. Um, and and I think having a guy like Raheem Morris come in, experienced defensive coordinator, always has been known as a great players coach, meaning he gets along really, really well, relates really well to the players, um, and a guy who has some head coaching experience, which I'm not always a huge fan of because I think sometimes head coaches in the NFL get paranoid when they have other guys on the staff who are former head yeah. coaches because they're always thinking to themselves, oh, man, if uh, – if if things aren't going well, the owner's going to look down there and go, well, he's got head coaching experience. We'll just use him for now. But I, I think that Raheem Morris is taking over a number one ranked defense, and and I'm curious again to to feel the vibe of what's going on at camp.
2: Yeah, and I think also like Raheem, unfortunately, and I say that unfortunately because like you know the chances that different brothers get to the in the head in the NFL as head coaches is not a lot. I don't see Raheem as a threat. You know what I mean? And I don't don't mean that as a a non-compliment to anybody involved. I mean, Raheem Morris is a great football mind who's proved himself on multiple levels, and a guy like that in your room is a guy that you want. I happen to be of the belief that NFL teams with more head coaching experience on the sideline are better than not. Dissimilar to basketball, i.e. the Lakers, when you've got... One too many heads in the room. It's a smaller room. There's a smaller roster. It's just a different equation. I think in football, it's a good thing. You know, this guy's a defensive coordinator with metal. You know, he knows what he's doing and we're already taking over one of the top defenses in the league. I think expectations go up via a coach's move. And that might sound ridiculous to a lot of people, but to me, it's not at all. That's kind of the hard part in the NFL. Getting your guys schemed up right so that they can maximize what they're doing and Aaron Donald as far as I'm concerned is best defensive player in the league, you know, and he's just one on that defense.
0: See Aaron Donald was uh was ranked number 1 overall player with a 99 rating for the Madden video game. I'm not a gamer, but for some reason I've been following all these player rankings. Do you know what I'm even talking about here?
2: Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I live in the world cap. Come on, son. <laughs> I do know what you're talking about. Where's number ninety nine? He's ranked number ninety nine. This guy's a hoss, man. Like, and he's not just ah man, Aaron Donald was such a great player. Like I, I love that guy a lot. I know you like him a lot too because of where he went where he mm-hmm. went, but yep. like he can really he's a he's a defensive game changer, the likes of I mean I'm just trying to think like of a lineman in the last even ten years, that's changed the game as much as Aaron Donald. I'm not saying guys weren't as good, but Aaron Donald is a definitive difference maker from a scheme standpoint on on the on the defensive line. No questions asked.
0: There's a there's what I'm fascinated about with it when it comes to Aaron Donald is how he does what he does at his size. And yeah. I know people think he's a monster, but I'm telling you, he's like six feet tall and probably about like two hundred and seventy, two hundred and eighty pounds of lean, ripped muscle. And so speed hands, smarts, vision, film study. I mean, everything that he does that makes him a great player, uh, I'm just fascinated by it because we usually think of an interior defensive lineman, especially someone who can wreck an offensive line and be a problem on every play. You think of a, a stereotypical-sized guy would be like in and Sue, who was with the Rams yeah. a couple of years ago. But Aaron Donald is so – it's not that he's undersized. He's just short for the position but really uses that – Height or lack of height, instead of being 6'5, 350 pounds, being 6'5, 260, 270 pounds, he just uses it all to his advantage. So, as a football junkie like I am, I mean, I just, I love watching every play that the guy makes. And, And I mean, literally, how frequently do you watch a guy and you go, I'm just watching the defensive lineman right now? That's Aaron Dunn. Never.
2: And that's what's so cool about him is that he represents also on some level an evolution of the position, you know. It's like you don't necessarily need monster meat hooks out there just run stuff and in the middle. You can get a guy that's a little agile with the footwork and the hand speed in the middle, and next thing you know, you've got your quarterback. And it's not always about sacks, Cap. You know, the hurries, the rushes, the pressures. These days in the NFL, those count for just as much in terms of how you're going to pick up on the outside with your corners and your secondary. So, like, to me, he's great. He's the non-problem. You know, it's, it's what's, it's what's going to happen around him that's going to be interesting to see. And what an anchor to have, you know, like fun face in the NFL. Great guy. Love Aaron Donald.
0: Yeah, me too. And by the way, just real quick as we'll hit this break and we'll get to traffic. You know, Raheem Morris got a lot of bodies that he's got to, you know, he's got to figure out what to do with this defense because a lot of new bodies coming in here. I mean, they've lost Brockers on the defensive line. Um, They lost linebacker Ebukon. They lost two defensive backs, Troy Hill uh, and uh, uh, John Johnson. Both went to Cleveland. So, I mean, there's just a lot of different guys that have left this defense, which was number 1 ranked a year ago. All right, we'll be there tomorrow. We will be at the training camp, UC Irvine. We will be at Rams training camp tomorrow. Stick around, everybody, because USC and UCLA were part of the Pac-12 media day, and here's a question for you. Will the Pac-12 start picking off other teams because of what happened with Texas and Oklahoma and the SEC, or will teams from the Pac-12 be picked off? We'll get to that story coming up.
3: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
0: That is
2: I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I was going to say, like that's actually a miss from Chris. I would have assumed you see saw this movie. For sure,
0: yeah, yeah. Chris Morales, listen, man, that's nineteen eighty four, dude. That's your
2: 1984. wheelhouse,
0: bro. I mean, that that's yeah. Back then, I was I was actually seeing a movie now and again. But you know the pre, the the soundtrack, Clinton Yates, was so amazing. I just I just remember being a kid, fourteen year old kid, freshman in high school, and when doves cry, and that and that was my song. Still is one of my favorite songs to this day. I love When Doves Cry. When
2: Doves Cry is an outside argument at one of the greatest songs ever made, you know?
0: I just, I love this song. It comes on. I stop what I'm doing. If I pull into my, my my house and the song is halfway through, I'm sitting in my car still listening to it. So yes, I saw Purple Rain. It's been a long time. For me, what
2: oh, I remember man, that is- that lick. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Go
0: ahead, go ahead.
2: The Minnesota Sound. Minneapolis, Minnesota's own. Good basketball player, too, Prince was, by the way.
0: That I did not know. Mm. So, 1984. Yes.
2: You didn't know that Prince was a good basketball player? Come I on. didn't. No. All-state player, Minnesota, yeah.
0: Come on, I did not know that.
2: Point guard, short dude, yeah.
0: 37 years ago. Where were you in 1984,
2: Clinton? <laughs> Where was I in 1984 Yeah, in a bassinet, bro? I was three years old. (laughs) (laughs) At least you were alive. I was in 1984, yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah, I I was one.
0: I wasn't thought of. (laughs) You know what sucks? Let me tell you guys what sucks, and you guys will all experience this, but you're not yet, but I am, and it's the first time in my life that I'm experiencing this, and it sucks. You know what I've become? I've become the old guy. I was never the old guy. I was always the young guy amongst a bunch of old guys <laughs> not the, now I'm the freaking old guy what the hell man <laughs> not I mean, man
2: i mean since you've been on the show you've been the old guy though. i was gonna that's say absolutely. i've never known you as anything other than right. the old guys so like it's not I a bad thing burst or bubble on that you know no, it's
0: okay it is what it is. it's all all right but yeah, i'm just fun. trying to tell you that i used to hang out with everybody was older than i was and i was always the young guy and now i've right. become the old guy and very quick anecdotally couple years ago I'm at a Seahawks game covering the game for Monday Night Football and I have a really long relationship with with Pete Carroll just because of his days at SC and he's yeah. one of these guys Clinton that you can walk up to before an NFL football game and actually have a full-blown conversation okay right he likes now,
2: to get it around on the sidelines for right.
0: sure like like if I walk up to Bill Belichick before a game he's giving me a dirty look like how dare you and that goes for a guy like Mike Tomlin too. There are certain guys you can walk up to before a game, and there are certain guys you should just stay away from. Pete Carroll's the kind of guy you can hang out with, talk about stuff. How's your family? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. So I said to Pete one night, I said, Pete, just explain this to me. Everybody on your coaching staff, everybody in your front office, everybody looks like they're 20 years younger. Is is that by design, or is that just totally by chance? And he looked at me, and he goes, come on, man, really, by chance? He goes, if you're going to keep up with me, you better be 20 years younger. And I said, I'm taking that. I'm taking it, I'm incorporating it, and I'm using it. Just like the handsome man community, I'm taking that too and I'm using it. But I'm telling you, Clinton, it sucks to all of a sudden become the old guy in the group. I was always the young guy in the group.
2: Well, the key to not being worried about being the old guy is making sure that you usher along the next generation as well. All right, I'm 40 years old. I am pretty much the old guy in many spaces I'm in, but I've got a kid brother and sister who are you know, in their 20s, and so they sort of keep me up to speed, and maybe soon I'll have some kids so I can sort of generationally stay involved. The key is to not fall out of generations, not to worry about you, not you, but one, being centered as themselves in the generation of now. That's the key, bro.
0: Well, I thought it was just coloring my hair to try and keep myself looking young. I guess I was wrong. Bro, I'm going to
2: look so good tomorrow. You're going to be so upset. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's going to be just – I'm, I'm signing glossies, old school, 1984 style. I'm bringing a Sharpie and a stack of glossies. To give out to people. Hi, I'm Television's Clinton Yates. Would you like a picture of me smiling at a camera? You can
0: have it. <laughs> at the bottom you of your glossy. Cap hello. It, it no, should I'm say, kidding, handsome man community.
2: That's what it should say, the president <laughs> of the
0: handsome man community.
2: <laughs> I, you know what, Greg? We should take pictures tomorrow and you know, like give them out for promos. Make like old school glossies. You know, like, Give them like
4: out tax. for promos. <laughs> exactly. You want to hand out, out pictures us. of yourself? You bash <laughs> for cash. Here wow. You go. Here's the
2: glossy of Cap. You know? <laughs> <should be> fantastic.
4: <laughs> wow. I actually really
2: love that idea. <laughs> I'm saying, man, put it in the budget. We can
0: do we, it. <laughs> what we should do is everybody at the radio station should have eight by ten black and white glossies, and at the bottom it should say, you know, handsome man community. And then it should have, yeah. like, a nickname. Like, for me, I'm all of a sudden becoming the old guy, you know? And we yeah. could all have nicknames about where we stand in the handsome man community, and assuming, my, by the way, that we get in.
2: Bougie. Television, television's Clinton Yates. Yeah, I mean, it's right. very simple. You know, what I'm right. you see how it all works together now? Bougie. Oh, nice. <laughs> is that bougie? Yeah. <laughs> very, very good product. Bougie. But, no, I'm looking forward to tomorrow for sure. You know what I mean? Because Rams camp is, you know, a lot of football camps are intense they're competitive, but they're not always, like, necessarily – I mean, I say that they're, everybody's hopeful in one context, but they're not always, like, necessarily buzzing. You know what I mean? You don't really necessarily know how good a team is going to be. The Rams are supposed to be good and were good last year. I'm very interested to see what the vibes are like.
0: Yep, me too. All right, so listen, we were talking about Prince, 1984, uh, the release of Purple Rain, and, yes, believe it or not, for all the movies I haven't seen, this is one I actually have seen. But let me backtrack a little bit here, Clinton – Oh, oh, mm-hmm. give me more Prince. Hold on. Uh, can I give you a, after this? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you got a Prince story?
4: A little bit, but I like this part. This is a great song. It's probably my favorite.
2: <laughs> he said, I like this part.
4: <laughs> I mean, it's this is iconic.
2: You going to purify yourself in the waters of Lake Pinnetonka? The
0: afterlife.
4: <laughs> Afterworld. Oh, whatever. Anyway, so... I, a couple years ago, I was driving Uber. I was still working here, but I was driving Uber at the same time because I needed to make a little bit of extra cash. And so what I would do is every time someone – I would always play Prince in every single car ride because I knew that everybody that would come into the car would be like, oh, this is great. Oh, That's thanks strong. for playing this. It's always just – it was a perfect song whenever somebody would come in the car for any single genre of person. It That's always a good worked.
2: Move. That's a good move because I always wonder – because here's the thing is that when I get in the car as a member of the flatly black community and people start changing the music, it's always like, oh, God, here we go. What is this guy going to play? You know what I'm saying? Like, Wait a second. What t- ratchet-ass me- hip-hop is this guy going to play right now? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh. And no, Prince is a tremendous go-to, Greg. I appreciate that a lot. Are you,
0: are you telling me, Clinton, that you get into an Uber – Driver says, okay, black man has just sat down in my car. I'm going to turn yes. to a hip-hop ch- channel to cool accommodate looking this brother
2: person. brother in cool, cool clothes. Trust me, they always go to some ridiculous little somebody music. And I'm just like, Little
1: somebody. You got little baby <laughs> playing in the background? <laughs> oh, my God. I you can't. Know? <laughs> it's, it's Greg, I have a question for you. Real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up? Did you see an increase in tips because of that?
4: Wait, say that again.
1: Increase in tips. Like, oh. you know, how they tip you and stuff. Uh, sometimes,
4: I mean, it depends on the person because then that that just started up a conversation. So, mm-hmm. once you are listening to Prince and you start talking about about that about the music, then you can it easily gets you into other conversations, which right. yes, you do get a better tip from.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: Can I tell That's you that move. I've never I've never driven an Uber or I've never used my car as an Uber? Has anybody else ever done that? My Other friend got a whole
2: Mm-mm. new car just to Uber when he lived, in fact, in San Diego. So that's the only experience that we have He's a good friend of mine.
0: I've never done it, but I've always thought of how interesting it would be to drive an Uber. Like the people that you would meet. I also feel like being a waiter, something I've never really done in my life, would be great. And I also think being um, the, the the cashier at a grocery store looks like a <sighs> lot of fun. You know, are
2: you listening to yourself? None of these are great. Okay, they're they're very doable tasks that people have to do to get people around. I've been a waiter. I've not worked at a grocery store, but I've not. But my dad and most of my family were cab drivers for many years. Like like all his brothers and like his sisters' um, husbands and stuff. So like I know what that part was like. But like being a waiter is not great, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it can be fun. But if you need the money, need the money. Oh, stress on stress. It is intense.
1: I should try it. You should or could or I should. I've never tried, but I should because A, I like talking to people and you make money and I love to drive and I drive pretty fast. Man, why haven't I thought about this earlier?
0: I know it sounds crazy because anybody listening right now goes, wait a second, you've worked all these years to get to 710 ESPN to be on the radio in Los Angeles and you think working in a grocery store or as a waiter or as an Uber driver sounds good. I'm just saying that if you're a people person, like I think I am, um, yeah, it kind of sounds interesting. You know,
2: that's bro, all. People suck, man. That's the problem. Like being a waiter is something that everybody should have to do. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying in terms of like how you learn how to interface with people who suck. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's because you never remember <laughs> the nice ones. You know what I'm saying? That's like, true. and that's 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 probably kind of a cynical view on it. Like I was, I've been a waiter, I've been a bartender, I've done all that. You know what I mean? But like, bro. It's 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 a trial by fire situation, cap. Trust me on that.
0: I would say um I worked as a gas station attendant, pumping people's gas, checking their oil, checking their air pressure, um and people were not particularly nice back then, but I'm telling you, those those <laughs> other kinds of jobs, man, they 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 see if you're a people person like I am, Laura, like you say you, you are.
1: I raise you all of you guys. I worked at McDonald's when I was 17, I was a manager, and Walmart let me just tell you guys, <laughs> wow. Walmart and McDonald's definitely take the cake.
2: Okay, so, so since we're already here, before we wrap up the subject, the reason why I've been a member of the Handsome Man community for a while, and you guys can make fun of me about that, oh, like, one. But okay. I worked. I definitely worked at an Abercrombie and Fitch in college. Like, shirt off, the whole deal. So that's when the origin story of that <laughs> came, came about. So, actual facts, bro. Real I didn't life. work at an
0: Abercrombie and Fitch. I worked at the Chess King because this was going back to 1984 when, when, <laughs> you know, when Prince was, was putting out this movie and this amazing album. All right, listen, we didn't get to it, but I want to ask this question. Are the Pac-12 teams going to pick off other teams – Or are the Pac-12 teams going to get picked off? I want to get to that coming up. But next, it is time for a game of Would You Rather. Let's play next on SLK on 710 ESPN.
4: Thank you very much, Chris. I'll take it away. And you know what? I'm going to do something a little bit different today. Laura, let's start with you. Oh, okay. So, Laura, would you rather slow dance with your partner or dance to a fast beat?
1: Mm, it depends on the mood.
4: Well, you got to pick one. Oh, man.
0: Tough game here. you got to make that call. It's a tough call. you got to make that call.
1: Uh, fast move. Fast beat? Yeah, same difference.
0: <laughs> All right, Cap. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go, even though this is going to shock everybody because you've seen these moves, (laughs) I'm going to go with slow dance because I like the whole idea of being close to one another kind of, you don't really have to dance. You can just sort of barely move and it's considered a slow dance. I like the whole hugging up and rubbing up kind of thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to go slow dance here.
2: Isolate that Greg. Um... (laughs) For promos yeah <laughs> uh me fast dance to strangers slow dance with people you know that's how that works
4: okay judges, so taking, are we
0: are we accepting that
3: so you're slow judges? dancing
4: with your partner. it's about with it's with your partner so
0: partner slow dance yeah
2: yep, sure. so
4: then slow dance is the answer all right, right and there we go yeah all right clinton let's see let's go with something a little bit different would you rather what go skiing or go to a water
3: park
2: easily a water park do you understand my energy water parks are like where i thrive when i was a camp counselor other jobs i've done like the water park trip was like my super bowl dude that is so much fun i love water parks because like i like theme parks but i don't love roller coasters you know what i'm saying so you get rides you get water you get splash you get fun oh this is water park by in a landslide for me
0: I love water parks, even though I'm a little, just a little germaphobic because I assume that every little kid there is peeing in the water. So I love a water park, but Greg, I don't know if you know this about me or not. I don't. Skiing is like my favorite thing on the planet to do.
4: Snowboarding for me. Um, I'm with you.
0: Yeah. Um, Where I grew up in, in a very remote part of upstate New York My dad was a high school champion skier. So I grew up on skis as a little kid. And um, then I I grew up in South Florida. So I didn't ski for a really long time in my life. But what I found out was as an adult, all that muscle memory comes right back. And it is my absolute favorite thing to do is skiing. So I'll take skiing over water parks, even though I do like a good water
1: park. Laura? I've only been skiing once and I really, really loved it. So I'm going to go with that. I need to do it more often.
4: I like it. All right. By the way, I will do the same. I am a skier. I'm a, I'm a snowboarder. I would always rather go. I like being in the mountains more than anything else. So, Cap. Yes, sir. Weird one for you. Would you rather be born without knees or without elbows? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where that was
2: going on the first. Yeah. And it got better on the second. <laughs>
0: So just a point of information, I still have arms and legs. I just don't have elbows or knees. (laughs) No elbows or knees.
4: You're a stick figure, basically.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I think I'm going to choose to not have elbows, and I'm going to keep the knees. I feel like... If I had no elbows, I could still operate like you're saying. I'm I'm actually gesturing right now. I'm I'm walking around right now. My arms are flapping, but but there's no bend to them of any kind. I'm robotically walking around, but in a very smooth way, because I got these excellent knees. I'm going to go. I want my knees. I'm giving up elbows. Clinton Yates, what are you going to do? (laughs)
2: um, you're walking
4: around with no um, knees right now you know it i I know right i'm like i'm
2: like you should see this this is is ridiculous i'm like moving my arms and i realized that like i wouldn't be able to throw a baseball if i didn't have elbows and that's just not gonna work like there are some stick figures in major league baseball who have no knees effectively who are playing first and third base you know what i'm saying (laughs) but if i couldn't have, have elbows i wouldn't be able to throw a ball that's not gonna work that's i'd have to go with elbows i'm keeping elbows every time
4: Laura, what about you?
1: I did the same thing. I'm like, how would this work? Yeah. But I think I'm gonna keep my knees. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna keep my knees.
4: See, I need to be able to move my arms around. Like I can walk with my knees like just flat, your legs just straight. Like you can walk around like that.
1: Yeah, but you need well, your
4: arms to move around and do a lot of things, and you know.
1: I mean, I could Pick stuff time.
4: up. Like your arms are important. I need yeah, my elbows. I need my well, elbows. Your
1: shoulder. You know. You could still. Why am I flapping my arms like I'm? Really, I'm
4: <laughs> you know, everybody that's listening right now is doing right. the exact same thing. Right. 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 Think if you're anybody
2: the in the outfield think situation. If, right. right,
0: right. <laughs> think if you couldn't bend your arms and your arms were straight at all times, and be careful if you're driving. But think about that. You're walking around all day long, and you can lift your hands up, but you can never bend your arms versus your legs are completely straight at all times and you're walking around like a stick figure but
1: yet your well, arms yeah. are fine. But then you can't sit I mean your your
2: your feet, your legs don't have hands on the end of them. That's the key there. You know what right. I'm saying like you're only using your feet for like to plant unless, you know, whatever, you're in, in the circus. You know what yeah. I'm saying like you don't really need that pliability the same way. You know what just occurred Conrad, to me? CB12, How
0: would I put a burger in my fat face? You know what I mean? Like when my, when I don't have elbows to bend my hands to bring them close to my face, how am I going to feed myself? And then I've got a wow. fork at the end of my hand, and I'm like, gosh darn it, I wish I had some apparatus in the middle of my arm that could help me bend it.
2: <laughs> i, I got to eat out if of a dog bowl. Me, there were a fulcrum <laughs> in which my
1: arm could bend. <laughs> I love to dance love too much. I need my knees. Just being real. Okay.
0: Oh, man, would you rather? That was a good one, Greg?
4: No, oh, thank you. Thank you. I'd try and find the weird ones, along with the you know the serious ones. So let's go to a serious one, Why don't we? Uh, I think we're back to Laura at this point. Laura, would you rather meet the love of your life in high school or at the age of 30?:
1: Thirty. Easy. I'm more mature. I know what I want in high school. <laughs> no, yeah, 30. High
2: school's a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. I'm going 30 for sure. 30, you've got things quasi-figured out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? By quasi, I definitely mean quasi, but, like, way more than one does when one is at whatever age one graduates from high school, assuming it's not close to 30, you know?
0: I'm going to join you guys and go 30, but let me just throw a twist into this. What if the question was, would you rather meet the love of your life in high school or when you were 45? Would that change your answer?
1: (laughs) No, and that wasn't the question.
2: (laughs) Uh, Also, I'm 40. met the love of my life this year, so, you know. I caught
1: that. I caught that when you said about kids. I was like, ooh,
0: Clinton. I heard that also. Like, hey, maybe I'll have some kids. And, you know, today is National Love is Kind Day. We talked about that earlier. So glad to hear Clinton Yates has found the love of his life. How about that? Television's Clinton Yates.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the stories I could tell. (laughs) Anyway, yes.
4: All right, how right about now, you Greg? 30 or high school? No, no, 30, absolutely 30. It's the, everything that you guys are saying, it's all about whether, you know, you know who you are, you know what mm-hmm. you want. There's a lot more to you as a person mm-hmm. than in high school. Man, I I sucked in high school.
2: Yeah, I was I mean, in look, high school? I did a lot of things in oh, high school now too.
4: I, <laughs> see what you did. Gosh,
0: I knew that somebody <laughs> was going to say something.
2: <laughs> Your boy was nowhere close to any sort of like material in high school, you know. <laughs> so,
0: so. All right, there you role. have it. Would you rather? Very nice. Good job. All right, coming up, let us get to this story about whether or not USC, UCLA, and particularly the Pac-12, will they be buyers or will they be picked off? In other words, will they go out and find other teams to join their conference or will they be picked off by other conferences? We're going to get to that story coming up.
2: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're
0: traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot
2: waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at lq.com.
0: Yeah, it's Sedano, LZ, is and not Cap. Mary
2: Melodies. Sorry. No, jump in. It right. What did this you is say? It's not Mary Melodies, right? It is.
4: It is. It's Mary Melodies. Which one is it? Mary Melodies.
0: I'm looking Damn. at it.
2: I thought it was Looney Tunes. Okay. No, That's no, what no, I was, was Mary guessing. They're, they're, they're very similar. They're hard to guess.
0: You know, I kind of thought they were the same thing.
2: Right. That's what I'm saying. I was guessing Looney Tunes. It's Mary Melodies. Dang
0: it. Well, do you realize that today, 1940, okay, we're going back a long time ago, 1940, Bugs Bunny made his debut on this day in 1940. And when I say made his debut, I don't exactly know what I mean by that. I just know that Bugs Bunny <laughs> made his debut in 1940.
4: So I can tell you what it was. It was a eight-minute cartoon from a Mary Melody's cartoon called A Wild Hare. And it was his first appearance with Elmer Fudd.
2: Oh, oh really? really? Yeah. We well, wabbits. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Elmer Fudd. One of the great... <laughs> i don't even want to say this out loud one of the great plaid icons of america <laughs> from a fashion standpoint <laughs> you know what i'm saying we love elmer Fudd. that's that's funny I, uh it's, it's, that plaid icons pre-show. he is you know he had the whole red and black lumberjack situation it was great love him so it's interesting
0: that in 1940 <laughs> bugs bunny was introduced and here we are in 2021 and i haven't seen space jam 2 yet clinton have you seen it yet
2: No, I've not seen it yet.
0: Do you anticipate seeing it anytime soon?
2: The next time I see the woman that I love, I'm going to watch with her. Yeah.
0: Oh, really?
4: Um, I think Laura may cry right now, by the way, with that. (laughs) Just saying.
2: (laughs) Laura, are you about to cry? That's the plan, bro. She's not paying attention. I was trying.
1: said I don't believe in love bro like but I'm happy for Clinton
2: (laughs) I don't believe in (laughs) love bro
1: (laughs) I am happy for you look genuinely when people find that person and I always feel like you know I never believed in finding your person and then you think you found your person and they're like oh right then it doesn't work out but I'm happy for people (laughs) to have (laughs) (laughs) you know all cynical right. right now about that right now I, if you guys haven't tell. yeah <laughs> we
0: can we can feel you on that i just think it's interesting that bugs bunny was introduced in 1940 and here we are in 2021 and lebron's got space jam 2 and bugs bunny is still you know a p- prominently featured character
2: yeah staying power you yeah. know guess so that's for sure all
0: right hey listen clinton let me throw this at you because yep. we've been kind of skirting around it and, and between friday and yesterday we've at least mentioned it a little bit we have both kind of talked about Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12 for the SEC. Here's my question to you, and today it it was prompted because today was the media day for the Pac-12. And so, you know, nothing ever really comes out of these media days, but it's an opportunity for all the coaches to get together and the media to throw questions at them. Okay, fine. Do you think that ultimately teams like USC and UCLA will be recruited by other conferences to try and fill out those conferences? Or do you think that the Pac-12 teams will go try and find other teams to bring to the Pac-12? In other words, will the Pac-12 expand to become an even bigger conference because of what's going on around college football? Or will it contract because teams will get picked off from within? What do you think?
2: I think that what the most likely scenario is that makes sense for everybody is that both happen. Meaning, if some sort of Super League exists where, let's just say, 16 teams break off, and let's just say for the sake of discussion, they even break away from the NCAA, and they're like, screw you guys, we're just playing college football, 16 weeks a year, plus a playoff, this is who we are, Super League-style European model that did not work, by the by, but if that happens – I think you see a situation where those teams break off. It becomes the SEC plus, 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 or whatever you want to call that. And then I think the Pac-12, because of their geographic orientation, stays alive. Do I think the Big 12 stays alive? Probably not. But I think that you're going to see a situation where some of these conferences are going to get bigger You know, your Mountain Wests and your WACs are going to go away, but your pack, whatever the number may be, is going to increase, even though at the top, the uh, participants that were previously there are not there. I mean, I think, excuse me, there's a lot of things that have to happen in order for this kind of thing to go down, but I think that if once we get into a Super League kind of situation, I think a lot of conferences, as I mentioned on Friday, are going to completely reevaluate what the purposes of their of their mission is. And if their mission is just going to be like, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to provide a platform for kids to play. If they're going to go to the pros, they're going to get looked at anyway. And that's just going to be a fun time for our communities. Forget about championships. We're going to keep our conference championships. I don't think that's that bad of a draw. You know, I really, really don't. I think that there's going to be a backfire effect for a lot of these schools that think that chasing every single dollar is the smartest thing to do because people don't necessarily want all that, you know, and that includes fans of their own teams. So I think the Pac-12 can both use, lose UCS, USC and UCLA and continue to exist. Now, they got other issues, the Pac-12 specifically, but I do think that the way that they're set up now allows them to do both.
0: I just look now at the Big 12 and without Texas and without Oklahoma – What are the rest of these teams going to do? If I'm West Virginia, I'm leaving and I'm going to the ACC or I'm going to the Big Ten as fast as I possibly can. If I'm Kansas, I'm getting on the phone and I'm calling the Pac-12 and I'm saying, hey, look, you know, you guys went out and got Colorado. Uh, We're the next state over. Plus, we really bring a lot to the table. We add value by bringing our basketball tradition. So if I were Kansas, I'd be trying to make the jump. And then there's really not a whole lot left in the Big 12. And you mentioned a conference like the Mountain West as an example. If I were Boise State, San Diego State, Utah State, UNLV, any of these schools, I'd be calling the Big 12 saying, all right, look, you got Oklahoma State and TCU and Texas Tech and you know whatever other schools, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. Hey, look, why don't we try and form the, the new and revised Big 12? And the Big 12 would be like, because... San Diego State and Boise State and Utah State, you guys aren't doing anything for us. You guys aren't bringing anything. San Diego State, I suppose, would argue we're bringing basketball to the equation. But, I mean, the Big 12, I I just don't see it existing for much longer. And I guess really what I'm getting at is if things do remain the same, meaning if conferences stay and they just expand, do you think the Pac-12 will expand and go after whoever's a leftover? Or, again, might somebody come after a USC and a UCLA try and get them to join their conference.
2: Yeah. I mean, again, I I think, I don't think these things are as mutually exclusive as you think, Scott, you know what I'm saying? Like I I really don't. Um, And I, I mean, the question is also whether or not, and Greg, sorry to step on your toes here, whether or not that second school is even UCLA. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a real discussion in this matter. You know what I mean? Do you go to the Bay? Do you go to Stanford? Like, what are we talking about here? You know, I I just, I don't know, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of not happy about this whole Texas OU situation. I don't love the idea of this. Um, I'm not even a hardcore traditionalist. It's just a step too far. It's it's exceedingly greedy, as I've said many times on this air. And I, I think that college football has a lot more to lose than it realizes when it comes to, regional followings and sort of why people who are otherwise not necessarily fans of individual schools tune in. And if it gets too unwieldy and it gets too corporate and it's already way, way corporate, like there's, there's a tipping point. I think we're getting closer to that than people realize. All
0: right, Bergman, you're a huge UCLA fan. We all got it. What do you think, man? You think that the Pac-12 has teams picked off? You think that they go picking teams off? Or do you think like what Clinton's saying that, this may turn into a whole different sort of a deal.
4: Uh, I mean, I think it really could go any way, but I think that if off the top of my head, I think that it's going to be where the Pac-12 is going to go pick off teams. And I know you said that UCLA would may not be that team. I could see Oregon being a team like that because it, because yeah. of what they do on in football and in basketball and what they do with Nike, but. UCLA has a very large advantage that I don't think people are really understanding here, including going up against USC here, is that you are in Los Angeles, you are on the coast, you have a beautiful campus, all of these things, so if you can come out here and do your NIL stuff and make a lot of money just on on the side while being at UCLA on a nice campus and everything like that and still being in the Los Angeles area to do all everything – it's got a lot more appeal than maybe it used to when it had to, when you had to think more about like oh if I go to U- USC I'm gonna we're gonna be a great football team. Well, you could still be that with the right players at UCLA because of everything that they offer.
2: Well,
0: I would also sure, throw but this in. Sure, if at you. I can
2: jump in here quickly. Go ahead, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Quick, if I can jump in, that to me lends itself to the U- UCLA does not go to whatever super conference there is. You know what I'm saying? Like if schools realize that the situation is hey, great time, great place. Love it. You know what I mean? Screw championships. You know what I mean? Like, I think UCLA falls into the category of that, which leaves them out of whatever the Super League is and not in a way that sort of shames face. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, you're building a different experience for the proverbial pros here in that the professional time of your life, not just your sporting career.
4: Yeah, but you can still win championships here at at that school. Like, look at UCLA in basketball. Bro. Just this last, they were in the final four, and they're bringing everybody back. It's the same type of situation. They can still.
2: You really think UCLA is going to compete for a football title in any time in the next? No,
4: absolutely not. Especially not with okay. Chip Kelly. So, no, I'm not crazy by any means. <laughs> I, I'm not a fan. But, I, it's I, interesting. but you can, like, you can get, both
2: can be done. It yeah.
4: can be if you get the right coach. If you get that can recruit the right players in the right way by by pushing off that on that nil stuff yeah you can make a run just like any other school can like it's in the sec you can bring those guys to los angeles and play at ucla because you can't bring everybody to usc so eventually you have to be able to get some of the guys
0: i would always say this so what what will make ucla attractive to any conference should the pac-12 ever get picked off is the television market I mean, it's why a school like Boise State, just as an example, they're not attractive because the Boise, Idaho TV market is not attractive. Same goes for San Diego State. You know, people for years have said, gosh, I wish San Diego State could join the Pac-12. Well, the Pac-12 has no interest. They've got They've got USC and UCLA. They've got the Southern California TV market nailed down. They don't need San Diego State, just as an example. So I just think UCLA will always be attractive to any conference because of the television market that they're in. And, and to me, that brings a lot of money. So I got it, though, Clinton. You know, UCLA's uh, days as a football power are long behind them, and I don't so. see them uh, getting to become a football power anytime soon. But still, I, I still think UCLA is an attractive commodity.
2: I do. I, I agree. And, you know, shiny helmets, five wide, baby. That's how we do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, stick around. Coming up, Laura will have what you need to know next. Um, but also, I, I'm going to need to take a timeout on today's show And I'm going to need to ask you guys for a piece of advice because something is happening in my home that is embarrassing. It is um, unsanitary. Um, it's, It's making me crazy. And I just need a piece of help, and I'll probably need some calls to see if anybody has a solution. Stick around. What you need to know is coming up next. This is SLK on 710 ESPN.